0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Nourish, Eat, Repeat. So before we get into our topic today, I have a little story to tell. Of course I have a story. I always have a story. Well, the time has finally come for us to leave for vacation. You guys have heard me talk about vacation for a couple episodes. Uh, This is trip number one of two that we are taking this summer, which we have never before ever taken two trips. Um, I often, we'll say often, complain to Jim like, we never go away. We never do anything. And now we have two trips planned and I'm freaking out. I'm like, "Uh, this just feels like we're going to be away too much. Maybe we should just cancel them all and stay home. I guess living with me is, is kind of challenging because <laughs> I want to go away, but then I don't want to go away. I don't know if any of you have those same feelings, but now that it's actually here, I'm starting to get a little bit more anxious about it. But um, this is trip number one of two. We're going to Michigan. We're going to visit my sister-in-law who lives in Holland, her and her husband. Uh, they moved out there maybe, maybe five years ago, maybe four years ago. It's been a while. Too long for us to not go out there and have visited her so we're doing it this summer but it was going to be a quick trip and we're going to drive out on Friday I looked it up I think it's 11 and a half hours uh, without stopping so with our family that's probably closer to 12 and a half 13 and a half with how many times these people have to go to the bathroom um, I'm going to drive all day Friday plan was to hang out there Saturday Sunday drive home Monday so it was going to be a very very quick trip um, but then Jake, my oldest, who will be a senior this year, decided that, hey, while we're out there, can we visit the college, University of Michigan? I was like, yeah, great idea. We're, we're only going out there once, so i as well go do it. And um, go, I told him, I said, sign up for a tour on Saturday, and then we'll go, we'll go see the college. And he texts me back, and he's like, there's no tours on Saturday. The only tour is on Friday at noon. So I signed us up. There was one more spot available. I said, Jake, that can't happen. I work all day Thursday. I can't take off. Um, There's no way we'll get there in time. He's like, don't worry, mom. We'll just, we'll just leave as soon as you get home Thursday night. Like, um, I'm sorry, what? (laughs) And he's like, yeah, we'll just drive all night long. I said, honey, I'm sorry. Like I cannot work all day and then get in a car and drive 12 hours. Like, I'm gonna be exhausted. And he's like, yeah, well, I already talked it over with dad and dad said it's good. I was like, well, okay, Now, now I totally know you're making all this up because dad can fall asleep driving at three in the afternoon. What makes him think that he's going to be able to stay awake at three in the morning to drive us to Michigan at night, in the dark, after working a full day? And Jake's like, Mom, no big deal. I'll just drive. Like, do you hear how this story is going from bad to worse? Like, first of all, I'm not letting my 17-year-old drive us to Michigan for 12 hours in the middle of the night. Like, that's just absurd. But I can't let Jim drive either because he'll fall asleep. Like, I always have to stay awake with him when we drive anywhere because he always gets sleepy. So I'm going to have to take this for the team. I'm going to have to figure out how to work and drive 12 hours and be 43, right? Because like you say this to me when I'm in my 20s, maybe I can rally and do this. But in my 40s, oh, so anyway, guys, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to do another podcast episode before we leave next week to go on this trip. So um. We got 160 episodes in depending if we make it or not. Um, we'll determine if you, you know, hear any more episodes after this one that goes out. So wish us luck. Wish me luck. Um, I'm going to have a story for you. We know that like I'm, I'm going to make a memory and I will fill you in on how that goes uh, when I come back, if I come back. Speaking of 160 episodes, I think we're at 160 some, but um I was doing some research for this particular episode and I was trying to think of a new topic, maybe something that we haven't talked about in a while, because 160 episodes is 160 topics, right? Like how many more topics can I can I talk about? What is something new? And I was thinking, I'm like, you know what? It's been a little bit since we talked about intuitive eating. Maybe I'll do a podcast about that. And so I started going through my notes. I keep a spreadsheet of all my episode topics and the recipes I share just so I don't share the same recipe twice. And I started going through my notes and I realized I have never done an episode, a full episode on intuitive eating. I've alluded to it in some episodes. I've talked about it, uh, as part of an episode, but I've never done an entire episode on the topic of intuitive eating. So guys, brand new information this week uh, on a topic that you may be familiar with, but we're going to do a deep dive and talk about what actually does intuitive eating mean? What does that look like for you if you'd like to try it? Um, And so I'm really, really excited about our episode So intuitive eating is actually based off of a book written by two dietitians, Evelyn Treble and Elise Resch. And if I am butchering their names, I apologize. Um, But these are two dietitians, uh, experts in the field. And intuitive eating is a much more calm approach to just healthy eating, right? When you think about diets, diet culture, just crash diets that are out there, they're so chaotic. They're usually really restrictive, which then, you know, leads to feelings of resentment and rebellion. You know, you can lose weight very quickly, but then you blink and all the weight comes back on because there's really no maintenance plan. It's just highly, highly restrictive plan and then good luck. Right? We know that over 90% of diets fail, which, if you think about it, the dieting industry being a trillion billion dollar, a trillion billion, a trillion dollar industry is just fascinating because it's the only industry where we set you up for failure and then tell you it's your fault. We create these ridiculous parameters and rules that you Need to follow in order to be successful. And then when you can't do it because it's ridiculous, we somehow convince you that, hey, you're a loser. This must be because you can't do it. Everybody else can do it, but you are the one who can't figure this out. And so we create such a pattern of disordered eating, sometimes even eating disorders. And intuitive eating is basically comes along and says, enough. Like, can we please just go back to this innate ability to trust our bodies and to give our bodies what it needs without assigning some moral value, without making people feel bad, you know? And if you're looking to just make peace with food and and cal- calm down your eating habits and maybe even, you know, maybe even change your body, right? Like the focus isn't so much on lose 30 pounds. It's, hey, how about we just heal some of those chaotic feelings and thoughts around food? And as a result, sometimes weight loss occurs. And it's just, like I said, calm, gentle approach that's sustainable, that makes sense, that is in alignment with our natural, Um, innate ability to feed our bodies well. And it's just, it's a really beautiful way of eating. So I am a hundred percent on board with this way of eating. I use a lot of the things and the principles that they talk about in intuitive eating, and I integrate them into uh, my sessions with my clients. But today we're actually going to go through the book. All right. Because when you talk about intuitive eating, there are 10 principles that create the uh, the program or the foundation. And again, most people will tell you that when it comes to diets, it's not a lack of knowledge, right? Most people know what to do, right? I'm supposed to eat less, eat less junk food, eat more fruits and vegetables. Like most people know the idea of The general idea of how to eat healthy, but yet the harder you try, do you ever notice that the harder you try to diet, the harder you fall, the more you mess up, the harder it gets. So it's in the execution and really it's our approach. So instead of playing the diet game where we just continuously fail and feel terrible about ourselves, what if we try something different? All right. Again, calm versus chaotic. Let's talk a little bit about what happens when you diet. All right. So a couple things that can happen. Uh, Just even the thought of going on a diet can bring on urges and cravings for, for unhealthy foods, right? You know, it's so funny because after conditioning your body with lots of dieting behaviors, you just have to think about going on a diet, and immediately the cravings start happening. You don't even have to physically restrict, and you can get the cravings coming on hard and strong. And so that's one of the symptoms of dieting or long term dieting. Um, you know, when you end a diet, uh, you go on a food binge, you feel guilty. Um, I think they said post-dieting binges occur in 49% of people who end a diet. So again, there's no maintenance plan. There's no long-term sustainability plan. It's just do something highly restrictive and then they just drop you and let you go. And, and that's terrible. Uh, one of the biggest things that I notice for people that have long-term dieted is they have little trust in themselves when it comes to food Uh, They're constantly on edge, second guessing themselves, always wondering if this is the right move, if this is the right decision. Some people that have been longtime dieters feel like they don't deserve to eat. The lifespan of the diet that they follow gets shorter and shorter, where like the first time they do a diet, they're able to stay on it for three months. The second time, maybe they're able to stay on it for two months. The 30th time they start a diet, they're able to stay on it for four hours, right? It just, it gets less and less. It gets harder and harder. Uh, Last supper eating, if you've ever experienced that, a lot of times when clients come into my office for the first time and I ask them what they had to eat the night before, it's usually not good right? Because they know they're coming to see me. They know that they're going to have to change their habits. And so they want to eat every single food that is available that they think is going to be taken away from them. And they end up basically binging the night before they start this new program. So you ever told yourself that, like, I'm never going to eat this food again. So you overconsume it as if that's going to compensate for never, ever eating it again. Right? For some people, they start to withdraw socially because, you know, they don't like um, being in in large group situations where there's food because they feel like they can't trust themselves. Um, In turn of long-term dieting, they can create uh, slower metabolisms, uh, just basically because each diet teaches the body to adapt better for the next diet. Uh, Sometimes people abuse caffeine to survive the day because they don't have any energy. And like I said earlier, worst case scenarios too, uh, it causes eating disorders, right? And it can cause a lot of problems, but yet we still pursue diets because we don't know any other way. So intuitive eating is another way. And so, like I said, we're going to go through the 10 principles. I'm just going to give you some general thoughts about it. But if you'd like to learn more about this, you can purchase the book. Again, the book is called Intuitive Eating. Um, I believe the version I have is the third edition, which came out in 2012. I think there is even a newer version than the one I have. Um, But this book originally was... um, written, I believe in 1995. So we have been using these principles for a while, and I think you're going to really appreciate them and connect with them and be like, oh, this just sounds so much better than all that chaotic dieting that I've tried in the past. All right. So principle number one is to reject the diet mentality, which means you need to reject the notion that weight loss is quick, easy, and permanent. Basically, diet culture has lied to you. They have made promises that they cannot keep, but their promises, they sound so good, right? Lose weight once and for all. How many times have you heard this? You know, buy this program and you can lose 10 pounds for good, which is a lie. You can't promise that, you know, because again, what they're asking you to do is unsustainable. All right. So, in order to finally make peace with food, make peace with your body, to stop some chaotic eating behaviors, we have to stop playing the diet game. All right. And we have to recognize that dieting is the trigger for overeating, and it actually increases your risk of gaining weight. So, let me say that again dieting is the trigger for overeating. And dieting increases your risk of gaining weight. Because let's be honest, when you lose the weight during the diet and you stop doing these ridiculous behaviors and you gain it back, you always end up gaining back more. A lot of that has to do with the type of weight that you lost. A lot of times with these crash diets, you lose a lot of muscle mass, which in turn slows down your metabolism. And so there's a lot of biological damage that can occur from chronic dieting, right? Chronic dieting teaches the body to retain more fat when you start eating again. It slows down the rate of weight loss with each successive attempt to diet. It decreases your metabolism. It increases your binges and cravings. It increases your risk of premature death and heart disease. Um, It can cause your satiety cues to go away. And it can cause your body shape to change, right? Yo-yo dieters who continually lose and regain weight, they tend to do so in their stomach area, all right? And we know that when you're gaining a lot of weight in your stomach area, it increases your risk of heart disease, right? You know, those are just the biological ramifications of the dieting um, industry. And then there's the psychological and the emotional Ramifications, the ones that are linked to eating disorders or can cause extreme stress or social anxiety or lower self esteem, lower self trust, right? There's a lot of things that happen when you diet. And so if we're going to ever get to a point where we can feel good around food and feel good around our body and be, you know, let our weights fall where they may, we have to reject the diet mentality. We have to put our foot down and say no more. Okay. So I get it. Those diets that come out, they're flashy, they're glittery. They look so promising. They prey on your emotions. They, you know, say all these flattering things like, you know, you know, have you been miserable? And do you want to you know, can you, do you want to finally wear that, that dress and, and impress some other people or go to your reunion or a wedding and you just have to do this and you're like, okay, I'll just do it. It's just going to be short term. But we forget that the long-term damage is pretty intense. So step number one, reject the diet mentality. Just say no. Just like you say no to drugs, you say no to the diet mentality. And that is easier said than done, especially when diet culture is surrounding you everywhere you look. Everyone you know is trying to do a diet and they all, there's always some type of diet that's repurposed and just marketed in a different way. So it feels like a completely different diet, but it's the same exact stuff that most people have been doing for for decades. All right. All right. Principle number two, honor your hunger, which basically means we need to keep our body fed with adequate calories and carbohydrates, right? Carbohydrates are not the devil. They are not evil. When you are under eating calories and carbohydrates, it drives you to overeat. And listen, once you hit that danger zone of excessive hunger, All bets are off to eat responsibly and mindfully, okay? So we need to make sure that we're feeding our body with nutritious foods and often. Listen, our body needs energy. Energy comes from food. We are not plants. We cannot get our energy from the sun. We have to get energy from food, all right? Diet culture teaches you to be scared of hunger, to ignore hunger, Listen, don't eat because then you're going to gain weight. When you feel really hungry, just distract yourself, right? Again, they're, they're teaching you not to trust yourself around food. When intuitive eating helps build trust with yourself. When you ignore your hunger signals, eventually the body will stop sending them, Okay. Your body will stop sending those early cues because you keep ignoring them. Why is it going to bother sending them to you? But the problem with that is then the only signals you are in tune with are those intense signals, which usually are the ones associated with uh, really low blood sugar where you feel ravenous and find it hard to control how much you eat, what you eat, and how fast you eat. Right? If you can only feel the intense signals, you miss out on the opportunity to eat mindfully and responsibly. All right? So if you have lost some of those early hunger signals, check in with yourself. Right? Do check-ins about every two and a half, three hours or so, and check in. Do I notice I'm feeling anything in my stomach region that would lead me to believe I'm hungry? Right? Right? If you don't notice any signals at all, you know, wait another half hour or so and do another check-in. Wait another half hour, do another check-in, right? The goal is to try to figure out what are those early hunger signals so you're not waiting so long and then eating chaotically. So principle number two is honor your hunger. If your body's telling you it needs to eat, your job is to eat and not to ignore, Principle number three, make peace with food. And this basically means giving yourself unconditional permission to eat. All right. A lot of times with diets, we are given lists of foods that we are not allowed to eat. For example, sugar. You're not allowed to have any sugar. And then guess what happens? Guess what happens when you tell yourself you can't have any sugar? It makes you want sugar even more. Right? Have you ever heard of that saying, what you resist persists? Right, And the longer you restrict something, the more seductive that food becomes. Right, And now all you're doing is thinking about it all the time, and you want it, and you're craving it. And there's going to be a point where you can't take it anymore. Right, So in order to make peace with food, we have to stop labeling foods as good or bad. We have to, there is no moral assignment to food, right? The goal is to make chocolate on the same playing field as a peach, right? One may have more nutrients than the other, but one is not better than the other, right? And the more exposure you have to a food, the less appealing that food will be over time. There are some theories out there, or I've seen even dietitians do more exposure therapy, where if you struggle with ice cream, like load your freezer up with ice cream. You know, in the first couple of days, you're going to be like, is this for real? I get to eat as much ice cream as I want. But then usually by like day four or day five, somewhere around there, you're like, yeah, I don't, I don't want it anymore because you took the game away. I had a client one time who was overeating chocolate after lunch. I was like, all right, well, how about this? How about we just put the chocolate on your plate at lunchtime? Just give yourself permission to eat it. And she was like, I don't know about this. And I'm like, no. Because the thing is, you'll tell yourself, I don't want to eat this. And then you'll go into the cupboard and you'll pick out like two or three pieces. And then you'll go back in the cupboard about 15 minutes later and get another two or three pieces. And then another two or three pieces. And before you know it, you ate half the bag. Whereas if you give yourself permission to eat it in the moment, it's not a forbidden food. You've taken away some of that power and it becomes just a piece of food that you can choose whether or not you want it. The minute you make it a forbidden food is when you start to create problems. All right. Um, So we want to make peace with food. Um, Same thing with that last supper eating that we talked about earlier. When you tell yourself you're never going to be able to have this food again, you end up binging on that food in the moment to try to make up for the thought that you're never going to eat it. But has that ever really worked out for you? Have you ever not eaten a food ever again in your life? I know I used to make lists of things that I was never going to eat again. I can't say I followed through with any of them. All right. So third principle, make peace with food. Fourth principle is challenge the food police. So just as I said, food is not good or bad. You are not good or bad based on your eating choices. Okay. You are not good or bad Based on your eating choices. So, we really need to challenge that inner food police that's telling you that you're being bad because you eat something. Right? One of the risks of telling yourself that you're bad for eating something is some people become rebellious, right? Like, you know, they turn into this, well, I'll show you. You tell me I can't eat a cookie, I'm going to eat five just because I can. All right. Challenging the food police also means challenging your inner self talk. Watch how you talk to yourself. Are you saying negative things? Uh, are you saying all or nothing statements? Right. I'm either doing everything right, or as soon as I mess up, it's all wrong. And now I'm going to just, you know, go for it. I'm just going to eat everything. All right. Are you giving yourself only two choices? I either do it this way or that way. I'm pretty sure there's a lot of great options in between the all or nothing thinking. Um, Another way to challenge the food police is catastrophic thinking, right? I did an episode a couple weeks back that said, and the Academy Award goes to you, right? We create these big dramatic scenes in our head of what's going to happen if we have one piece of chocolate, right? Then I'm going to end up binging on all the foods and then I'm going to gain 30 pounds and I'm never going to get married. Like, whoa, how did we go from eating a piece of chocolate to never getting married? That feels like a big jump. All right. And the other uh, way to challenge the food police is also to watch out for those should statements. I should be doing this. I should be doing more. I shouldn't be eating this. Uh, those types of statements get us into a lot of trouble. So challenge the food police. Challenge those inner thoughts that are going on in your head. Principle number five, discover the satisfaction factor. Okay? So seek pleasure in what you're eating. Seek pleasure in the environment that you're eating in. So we recently just did a Mindful Meals summer series, our first one. Uh, last week, I guess it was a couple of days ago, and one of the things that the participants really enjoyed was playing music while they ate, um, having some fresh flowers on the table, like creating such a a very calming, soothing aesthetic environment. Helped them be more calm and excited to eat more mindfully. Um, in terms of discovering the satisfaction satisfaction factor. uh, Think about the food. Do you like the way it tastes? Do you like the smell, the temperature, the texture? Move it around your mouth. Are you having a pleasurable experience? Right? A lot of us, we know that food is fuel, but food is also for pleasure. And it's really important that you're getting pleasure out of your food. If you're seeking pleasure from an eating experience, but you feel guilty the whole time you're eating it, you're going to continue eating in an attempt to feel pleasure. You can't feel pleasure if you're feeling guilty the whole time. Right? So one of the things you can do is, first of all, give yourself permission to eat, to enjoy your food. You could even rate your pleasure based on how many bites you've taken. And if you notice that you're not enjoying what you're eating, you have permission to stop You don't have to continue eating in that moment just because the food is on your plate. So the satisfaction factor is is a big one. Most of my clients will tell me that they love food so much. Okay, well then if you love food so much, let's do it the right way. Let's really pay attention to what is on your plate and the enjoyment you're getting out of it. So that way you can leave with a pleasurable experience and not wanting to do a do-over. Principle number six, feel your fullness. So this is where we're gonna learn to trust your body and that it will tell you when it's full, all right? In this section, we wanna really focus on observing the signs and the thoughts that arise when you are beginning to feel full. And a lot of my clients struggle with this. They don't know when they're feeling full. They know when they're stuffed or when they feel sick, But trying to figure out when they feel full is difficult because they've never practiced it before. So one of the ways you can lean into your fullness is pause in the middle of your eating experience. Right? Maybe you eat about half your plate worth of food and then you stop and you ask yourself, you know, do I still enjoy the way this tastes? What is my hunger level? The more in tune you are with your hunger level, the better it will help you determine your last bite threshold. But in the beginning, when you have no clue, it's going to take some time. It's going to take some practice. All right. But in order for you to really feel your fullness and honor it, for, in order for this to work, you must truly believe that you have permission to eat food whenever you want. Okay. So if you are eating ice cream, okay, and it's hard for you to feel full when you're eating ice cream because you're just enjoying the way the food tastes so much, or what happens most of the time is I shouldn't be eating this ice cream, right? You feel guilty about it. I'm never going to eat this ice cream again. Now, all of a sudden you start to create some chaotic thoughts right? And like, and anxiety driven thoughts, like I'm never going to be able to eat this again. So now I'm going to just, uh, my drive and my desire to overeat is going to be higher because now I'm panicked that this is my very last experience ever eating this ice cream. Notice the difference. So when you really feel like you have permission to eat any foods, because you're working out of an abundance mindset versus a scarcity mindset, it's easier to observe your fullness signal and honor it, okay? Now, I will say it is easier to feel your fullness if you are not distracted by screens, all right? And it may be easier to feel fullness when you're eating by yourself. You know, the more people that you're eating with, the more it's harder to to focus in because you've got a lot of distractions around you. So maybe you practice by yourself first because it'll it'll be easier to to feel that sensation uh, and then work towards, you know, practicing in social situations. Principle number seven, learn to cope with your emotions with kindness. All right. So when you diet, that food restriction, It can cause a sense of loss of control. And when you feel like you're out of control, it causes emotional eating. Right? And so restrictive eating, again, usually leads to more overeating. And a lot of times it's emotional in, oh goodness. It's more emotional just as its cause, its root cause. That's what I want to say. All right, so the best thing that you can do is have a plan for when you feel emotions. And here's the thing, you're going to feel them. You're going to feel a whole bunch of uncomfortable emotions. Learning how to sit with the uncomfortable is probably one of the best gifts that you can give yourself. If 50% of the emotions you feel in this lifetime are going to be uncomfortable, it would make sense that you learn how to deal with uncomfortable feelings. Okay, listen, it is okay to eat, emotional eat sometimes. That is normal. But if you're emotionally eating all the time, in every situation, then I would say the goal is just to decrease the frequency. Okay, you're never going to completely 100% cut out emotional eating. That isn't even reasonable. That's not realistic. Okay, okay. But we can decrease the frequency. That's a win. And we can start to pay attention to why we're emotionally eating. What are we seeking in that moment, right? Are we just seeking a little bit of comfort? Are we seeking a distraction? Or is it a little bit more serious? Are we looking to completely numb out from what we're experiencing in that moment? Or are we eating as a form of punishment? Those are a little bit you know, more serious that we would want to dive in and check what's going on. All right. So it's important that we learn how to deal with our feelings, whether that's writing our feelings in a journal, calling a friend to talk about it, um, releasing your anger by punching a pillow, uh, letting yourself cry, breathing deeply, Or just even speaking with a therapist. These are all really productive ways to dealing with emotions instead of trying to shove them back in with food. So when we learn how to cope with our emotions with kindness, we find that our eating behaviors are a lot more calm. All right, three more. Principle number eight, respect your body. Listen, all bodies deserve dignity. I'll repeat that. All bodies deserve dignity. All right. We have a lot of unrealistic expectations. We're very critical of our bodies. And it is not helping our relationship with food or relationship with ourself. Okay. We need to speak kindly about our bodies. Listen, I know there may be parts of your body that are not your preference, but they still deserve kindness. You cannot heal a body you hate. Your body deserves kindness. It deserves to be fed. It deserves to be dressed comfortably. It deserves to be touched. And if there are things that you're doing that are making that more difficult, then we need to identify those behaviors and remove them. A good example of this is, are you getting on the scale every morning? And is that scale creating a whole bunch of thoughts that leave you feeling unworthy? Then we need to get rid of the scale, right? If the scale is causing the thoughts, then get rid of the scale. Um, Are you body checking Like every time you walk into a room, are you constantly assessing the room to see who you are bigger than or who you are smaller than? Right? That is not a healthy behavior. It keeps you locked in to disrespecting your body. Are you bashing your body? What are the words you say to yourself when you look in the mirror? Um, Are you constantly pointing out the parts you don't like? Are you grabbing your body in areas of the places you don't like? That is not kind. You wouldn't grab a four-year-old's stomach and hold on to the fat rolls around their stomach reason. You wouldn't do that. That's just disrespectful and unkind. So if you wouldn't do it to a four-year-old, what makes you think that it's respectful to yourself? It's not. right? It just makes you feel lousy and crummy. and And then it just makes you want to eat. Let's be honest. When you don't feel good about yourself... You want a coping strategy. You want a distraction. It's not healthy for you long term. It's not healthy for you anytime, but it's absolutely not healthy long term. And so learning how to speak differently to yourself and to your body. You know, if you struggle with saying that you love a body part, maybe at least just acknowledge its function. Right? I'm thankful that my stomach digests food. And leave the sentence there. Not comma, but just period. End of story. End of sentence. Move on. That's it's going to take some practice, but I promise it's worth it. All right. Principle number nine is movement and exercise. And basically, this concept is just get active. Listen, exercise is not a punishment for what you ate. Exercise doesn't only count if you burn a certain number of calories, right? I want you to focus on how movement makes you feel, all right? I like exercising because it makes me feel strong, right? If you're exercising as a form of punishment for what you ate, or you think that you have to exercise because um, you have to burn a certain number of calories, it's not going to be fun anymore. And when it's not fun, you're most likely not going to stick with it. So instead of thinking of exercise as a way to control your weight, I want you to think about all the great things that exercise does for your body. It increases your bone strength, your stress tolerance. I know for me, it's a big source of my emotional health right? It just, a lot of times it gives my anxiety a place to go. It decreases your blood pressure. It reduces your risk of chronic diseases like heart disease, diabetes, osteoporosis, hypertension, some types of cancers. It increases your good cholesterol, decreases your total cholesterol, increases your heart and lung strength. It increases your metabolism, reduces your risk for a silent stroke, Uh, Improves your satiety cues and appetite regulation. Improves your mood, your learning, your memory. And prevents or delays cognitive decline associated with aging. Like those are a lot of great reasons why you want to move your body. Right? And notice none of them have to really do with with weight per se. Right? Right? They always say, if you could bottle up all the positive effects from exercise and put it into a pill, it would be the number one selling drug out there because of just all the great things it does. It improves your sleep, right? It makes And when you know when you sleep better, your eating's better the next day. It's not as chaotic, all right? Here's the other thing with exercise. It all counts. I used to think if it If I didn't exercise for an hour and I wasn't really sweaty, then why bother? I wasn't going to really have any positive effects from it. And that's a bunch of crap. It all counts. Park further away when you get to the grocery store. I know it's an extra 40 steps, but it counts. It's a cumulative effect. And if you can make exercise and movement fun, you're more likely to stick with it. So don't pick exercises that you hate. If you hate running, don't make yourself have to run. Do something different. Go play outside with your kids. Go for a bike ride. Go swimming. I guarantee you there is something that you like. It doesn't even have to be conventional. If you like roller skating, go roller skate. Right? But move your body. Everything just feels better when you move, when you're not stiff, when you're not exhausted. All right. And finally, principle number 10 honor your health with gentle nutrition. When you're making your food choices, choose things that honor your health, your taste buds, and make you feel good. I was talking to a client uh, this week. She has a lot of uh, food allergies and food intolerances. And I was like, our job is to find foods that love you back. You love them and they love you back. She's like, that just feels amazing. That is what I want, right? There are some foods that you eat that don't love you back. They give you reflux, right? They, you know, make you have diarrhea. Those foods don't love you back. You still have the choice if you want to eat them, but you may not want to eat them as much because you don't feel well when you eat them. Your body's telling you, hey, this one's, this one's not one we need to do all the time. The goal when it comes to nutrition is never perfection. It is consistency. All right. Uh, when it comes to nutrition, I always like to think of addition, not subtraction. What can I add to this plate to add nutritional value versus what am I not allowed to eat? What foods do I have to take away? Addition just feels easier and gentler than than subtraction so uh, using the my plate we've talked about that a couple times as a kind of a general guideline to how to set your plate up for success making sure you're drinking water um, and you're hydrated you know these are just general principles that everybody pretty much feels better when they follow so think of some of those um, think of some of those principles all right So there you have it, 10 principles of intuitive eating. If you would like more information about any of these, set up an appointment with us at Body Metrics. We'd love to talk more about what this actually looks like, how to implement it, how to start following the guidelines here. Again, we're looking for progress. We don't have to be there tomorrow. We can take one of these topics and really dive into it. Uh, learn what that looks like for you and your journey, and then move on to the next. But this should hopefully feel like, uh, yeah, I want to do this. I like this approach much better. It feels much kinder and much more sustainable. And that's because it is. So um, that's it. That's our lesson on intuitive eating. So I need to give you your recipe, and guys, this one's a really simple one. So if you're looking for a quick, easy snack idea, here is a three-ingredient snack that I think you'd really enjoy. So you're going to take the mini bell peppers, all right, they look like ornaments or lights that you put on a tree, Um, and you're basically going to take those little baby peppers, and you're going to slice off the top, uh, cut them in half lengthwise, and take out all the seeds next you're going to take a little bit of cream cheese and you're going to fill in the uh, space on top of the pepper and then finally after you put a little bit of cream cheese on the pepper you're going to shake some everything but the bagel seasoning on top and you've got a great easy quick filling snack idea that you can eat anytime during the day and I think you're going to really enjoy that one All right, guys, I hope you have a fantastic week and I'll see you next time. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Nourish Eat Repeat podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please rate, review, and share with others so we can reach and help more people. For more information about nutrition, how to work with a dietitian, or about any of our programs, visit our website at bodymetricshealth.com. You can also find us on socials. We're on Instagram and Facebook at Bodymetrics Health. The book Nourish, Eat, Repeat is available on our website and Amazon in both paperback and ebook versions. Once again, I'm Adrienne Delgado, and I'll see you next week.